Hello everybody and welcome to this special edition of Wednesday Night Live. This is a very unique time in the timetable of the of the Heavenly Father. We're we're living in days that are unparalleled. Yes, of course, I understand being somewhat of a student of history, that we've endured and encountered things that uh, have embraced parts of what we're experiencing now internationally. But the, the main thing is for us that we are servants of the Heavenly Father We've been put on this earth for this specific time frame, and we are um, we're experiencing things that are in alignment with what our Father has ordained for this moment in time. And I guess Christians can say, well, it's always been that way, hasn't it? Well, yeah, everybody who's lived on this earth has in some ways been part of the stream of God's timetable. So I'm not saying his time clock just started, but what I'm saying is that the, the culmination of so many things leading up to where we're living now um, in, is initiating truly end-time realities. And I'm in some ways grateful in other ways, I'm sobered, but for the most part, uh, I'm wanting for my life, my family's life, my church's life, and to be a voice into the life of the saints around the world, I'm wanting to be whatever God wants us to be in this time frame, and to be molded and shaped by him and his spirit and not to be drawn off course because it's, it's all about serving the Heavenly Father. Isn't that right? It's all about the dictates of the throne of God. And I believe that God has allowed us to walk with him and he still is allowing that in unprecedented measure. Those of you who've just tuned in, I just kind of hit the gate running here. Um, my name is Ron Crawford. I'm coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And we are very happy to be welcoming our Saints Network family from many different places around the world. We all have a responsibility as intercessors, as saints, as those who are willing to be sons, more so than just be individuals in the family, in serving our Father. So, all that being said, we've devoted this seventh month to a more cohesive alignment with the directives of the Lord in the book of Zechariah, and he, he spoke centuries ago to the people who were in Babylonian captivity about the 4th, 5th, 7th, and 10th months and how they needed to be devoted to God in a redemptive way. 
We've taught about this in the past. This is just a brief recap. But those four months in the history of the people who'd been taken into captivity had become mourn-fests, M-O-U-R-N-E. No, M-O-U-R-N. They, they, were, they were given to lamenting their state of, of their condition. And they, uh, they really became celebrations of death. And they were really also coming against the timetable of God. And they were coming against God. You know, that's the way it is with our society in so many ways. And we're going to be looking at Zechariah 8, verses 16 and 17. We're going to be speaking about executing the truth and peace in our gates. We're going to get to that in a moment, but I want us to look, first of all, at verse 17. Let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against his neighbor. Love no false oath, for all these are things that I hate, says Yahweh. We're seeing this played out in our world today, in our nation today. There are so many false oaths, false truths, and there are so many ways that people are being pitted against their neighbor. I, I was trying to list all the points of division that we see in our country right now. And there are, there are many. And I don't need to list them all out. If you just sat and thought for a moment, what groups are being pitted against each other right now? Not just in a philosophical way, but in a really antagonistic way you would see it in so many different ways. And that strife welcomes every evil work. A lot of this is that we're seeing right now is the enemy who's recognized this principle of strife, but also he knows that the timetable of God has, has entered into a new phase. And so he's mobilizing and he uses strife. He uses rebellion. This is how he engendered the rebellion against God and convinced many angelic ones to follow him. He began to say that God is really not God at all. We're just as much God as he is. Uh, we, we don't like what he has stated, hath God said, is on his license plate, I think. And um, that's still what's going on today in his kingdom. And so in the political world, you've got the battle between Marxism and capitalism. Marxism has been around for a while. Even their agenda is always to pit a a repressed, quote-unquote, repressed group of people against the ruling class. And they're just doing it in a different way today. Um, we see communist China and Russia, but more so China now, 
The thing about Russia was that capitalism fought against Russia uh, for decades. And secrets and inventions and uh, different types of spy agendas were so rampant in basically keeping the communist system in Russia from dominating as they uh, set themselves as an agenda. Well, when Nixon went to China and opened the floodgates and capitalists determined, oh, we can go over there and make a lot of money, uh, the Chinese Marxists still intend to dominate the world. And anybody that went over there, their intellectual property became the property of the Chinese government. And our, our industries knew this. And that's why China has just exploded in growth and in development. Because, uh, as Lenin said, the capitalists will sell us the rope we'll hang them with. We didn't have that open door into Russia. In fact, Russia was so competitive with us in the West that they, you know, they didn't, they wanted our technology, but they thought that they could defeat um, us on, on equal ground, which was proven to be false. The communists take everything we can give them in China, and they are making very serious claims that they're going to be the world power. You see them active throughout Africa. You see them active in so many nations of the world using capitalistic monetary threats, and they're functioning in our country too. This isn't a geopolitical discussion, but the thing you need to know about Marxism is, number one, the government and the state are God. For them, there is no God. There is no divine God. And they persecute anybody who believes in the omnipotence of God. The state is everything. And so just get ready. If you think communism offers a nirvana, they do not. They're prospering on the, on the backs of, of uh, in China, Western technology and Western investment and Western instruction. But you, you look at other communist regimes, Venezuela, you look at Cuba, you look even at Russia. Russia's poor. They have nuclear weapons. They devote a lot of their, uh, of their, their uh, financial basis into weapons and armaments. But uh, it's, it's really interesting to see all this. You don't need to be ignorant of it. So when you see people in our country saying they're representing different color groups and you read if they've not taken it down yet that they really are they devout marxists they say they are they're applying the marxist system we in america we think we've defeated communism you know reagan take down that wall the berlin fall well fell but the the great wall of china is still still there and um you know it's nothing against any people, individuals, it's against an ideology. And I really believe that Satan is going to ride in on that. 
If you, if you say there is no God, that's just what Satan once said. And he is mobilizing his, his forces to function in, uh, in destroying anybody who believes in the Word of God and anybody who believes in communing with God and following God because the state is God and the enemy will be God and that in his mind you know, for the earth. That's his agenda. I will be like the Most High. So those are the frameworks. Those are the parameters. And so you see, um, you see attacks against the Word of God. You see attacks against evangelicals and conservatives. You see attacks against freedom of speech, cancel culture. You see, uh, you see attacks against what we can and cannot do. And COVID has been very helpful with that for uh, leftist ideology. You see the media being almost, well, a large percentage of it, just a voice piece for this ideology. And um, you can see that taking shape. And it's not only taking shape, it is gaining a foothold. So to imagine evil in your hearts against your neighbor, to love no false oath or proclamation to to don't breathe hard after don't passionately pursue false oaths god hates those things why does he hate those things why would god why would the plan of god hate that because the agenda of it is totally and antithetical to what god's kingdom is and it is what the enemy uses in an attempt to destroy the people of God and to destroy what God's purpose is. So, right there in that 8th chapter of Zechariah, the 17th verse, you see that being played out. You need to recognize that God hates it. He hates it. I don't like it. I detest it. Maybe that's why when I see it, I just become, well, there, there's a fury that ignites because I see that it's the enemy plan. And again, this isn't about geopolitics. This is about really the 16th verse. And that's what we're going to talk about. We've been taking various fast, facets of this fast of feasting, and we've looked at them over the past number of Wednesdays. We're we're presenting this Wednesday Night Live broadcast on Tuesday so that as we come together to pray tomorrow, or if it's tonight where you're living, that's wonderful. We bless that. But we don't want our people coming to pray and not know, whoa, what are we praying about? You know, what is the, why has God brought us here? We'll catch up on that by Saturday when we can listen to it. No, no, we need, for, we need it to be listened to now so that we come together tomorrow or tonight. We're knowledgeable of what we're doing. So, verse 16, these are the things that you shall do. Speak every man the truth to his neighbor, and that's emet, that's the fulfillment of 
what God wants at the right hand and execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. It's a very interesting collection of words that the Spirit uses to describe what we're supposed to be doing in the gates. Now let's talk about the gates here for a minute. And But again, our main priority is to, 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 to understand what executing judgment and truth and peace in the gates is. Gates are different than doors and windows. This is elemental. This is general 101. A window indicates commune with the Father where he pours out things, his blessings, and you really can't predict the operative nature of windows. You know, you can go to your window in your house. And you can't predict. You know, you, a certain setting is always going to be there, but you can't predict what you're going to see from moment to moment. You might think you will, but you don't. It's Windows speak about unexpected things built upon a set perspective. But windows is not our topic today. Doors, they are individual. They're commune. They are internal. They, they really come into play when things are secure and when um, the gates are established. Gates are what in engenders security for a city, for a nation, and for things in the spirit realm. Gates are, are defense. Gates are the functional reality of Peretz, the gap. If you, if you establish your place where God has called you to serve in the, in the gates, the, the gates will begin to be developed, and then you'll have parats, you'll have functionality. And again, these are all things that we've, as saints, studied over and over again. We've written about it. But a gate is supposed to be your defensive measure. Now, in, our, in the United States today, I don't know about our gates. I mean, it's ollie ollie in free, it seems, but that's another topic. Um, you see, in our cities, gates have been broken down in many cities and entire neighborhoods destroyed, and the functionality of doors and commerce is gone. It's just gone. I told you many years ago uh, that many years ago the Lord instructed me to be going out to San Francisco usually once a year, a couple times a year, and I would walk the streets. I'd walked all over that city and prayed. And it is a hotbed, that, that whole corridor of, uh, of enemy intent. And but you could see you can see the city just degenerating. It's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. I love it there. I love the weather there. Oh my, I love the weather there. But 
you know, it 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 is really a hotbed of spiritual activity. And pretty much anything goes there now. In fact, as many of you who travel with me know, I always make it a point to know where the drugstores are when we're traveling. Because if you have, when you, when you have something that you need, that's not the time to start looking. I mean, you want to know beforehand, especially if you're leading a group. And most of the drugstores in the metro of San Francisco are closed now because the city officials would not prosecute those who would come in and shoplift. And so Walgreens, which is really big out there, closed, just closed up. When the gates are not established, when there's not a measure of right and wrong, the doors will soon close. And that's really being shown, this biblical principle is being shown in front of us. So now it's interesting that the word gates, the primary word, this the word that's used right here. You know, in the ancient day, when the gates were established, that's where business was conducted. That's where judgments were brought forth by leadership, by ruling people. Um, the gates were inhabited by people of import, uh, people of authority. In fact, you know, the Sha'ar is this gate. Um, Sha'al is a close contemporary of it, and that would speak of those who've been empowered to represent uh, the highest level. And, and so I, I did think it was very interesting, and we're going to divert to another passage of Scripture here just to talk about it. But, you know, when Jesus speaks about the harvest, the 30 to 60 to 100 fold, we have often thought, oh, well, that just, if you work hard enough, it's kind of like hitting, hitting, swinging the mallet at the state fair. If you hit the, the target far enough, the, 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 uh, the metal will be propelled to the top and ring the bell. If you work hard enough, you'll be a hundredfold. Um, it's interesting, though, that through this study of gates, I, I was able to see something. And that is that Sha'ar, which is gates, a, the, the, the Hebrew word for 100 is established with that. So the mindset was that if the gates were secure and you had function and people understood what the laws and regulations were, rightful ones, not domineering, controlling ones, but rightful ones, and there was an investment of capital and function. People could be in the streets and the children could be playing and, you know, laws were recognized and it wasn't chaos, that when that was in place, that was where hundred the number 100 was established. And I think that's very interesting. What about 30 and 60? <clears throat> 30 was 
the term that was used to describe captains. David's mighty men, the, the choice ones, were 30 in number. And 60 <clears throat> represented prosperity. 60 represented things functioning properly. And in fact, the term was used to describe uh, a multiplication. And it was also used to describe something that was so much that your hands could not contain it. And so 30, 60, and 100 really was a depiction of putting people in place, welcoming the prospering of God or the function, or dare I say the dunamis, and then the gates were established, which was people, the structure just manifesting itself as God intended it to be. And it was defense, it was security, but it was in the midst of that functionality. So some 30, some 60, some 100 was not one or the other, it was a progression You've got something, it begins to grow. You, you've, if you've got a harvest, that means you've sown. You've invested, but well begun is not done. So you then have to put people in charge. Captains have to arise who are trusted to manage that and to function. It's not about, oh yeah, you gave him authority, you didn't give me authority. That's where the enemy attacks this. But the mighty men were devoted to a cause. They were all equal. It wasn't equity. It was equality. But it was equality of function. They embraced an ideology, and they functioned. And then there was a multiplying of it. There was fruitfulness. And then there was the gates established. Now, the enemy uses this, too. He sows seeds. He tries to steal the seed of righteousness. And then he mobilizes captains, and then he, he begins to teach and instruct, and then there's a multiplication of that, and pretty soon they control the gates. We see that today, don't we? Ideologies of, of wickedness are permeating our universities, uh, you know, I've been studying a lot of academia recently to try to determine what's really at the heart of the progressives, what's really at the heart of the progressive churches. And I've been stunned at the things that I've been reading. Um, it's, it's so anti-God. It's so humanist. It's, and by anti-God, I don't mean without God. I mean anti, purposely anti. In fact, one of the authors who is well-known throughout academia said that from if, if he were to step over into the shoes of those who believed uh, fundamentalist Christians, they would clearly identify this as being anti-Christ. I, I, you're going to hear that quote again because I'm going to, be sharing that in September. But you can see this progression. So, but you can't, if you start talking about this, 
in in the media, they will laugh you to scorn, even though it's the truth. So, for us who know the truth, we need to just function with our Father. We need to just simply function with our Father. But to be a people of the gates, that means that you are following God's principles, that you believe in a structure of his authority, that you believe in if you do what God says, he's going to bless and prosper you. That's the 60. And if, if you do all those things, then you are before the throne of God representing him in the gates. The enemy has tried to hammer every one of these. I've seen it against my church over the decades. I've seen it in our network. This structure of 30, 60, 100 in the fields of God and the enemy, the way he, he tries to be like the Most High and he utilizes these for dis, dysfunction. So you either have just function or dysfunction. And, um, but for the gates, we believe that it's time for us to assert what God has really called us to be. And the way you function properly in the gates, assuming, of course, that you've stood in the gap, assuming, of course, that you've established those that are wanting to serve God and to grow in him, Assuming, of course, that you are manifesting the, the, the initial things that, you know, those that muzzle not the ox that treads the corn. We've been feasting on these things. God's been blessing. Assuming all those things, we need be before the Lord as gatekeepers. And here is, right here, is how God says you should function in the gates. You execute judgment of truth and peace. Now, gates also is used, this term, uh, for calculation or measures. And it's, it's a very deliberate thing. It's not like you're just sitting there. Where did Absalom bring rebellion against David in the gates. He sat in the gates and he said, you know, my father's just too busy here. He's disinterested, but I am here with my flowing hair and I will meet the needs of the masses. Interesting. The gates are a point of function and security or rebellion. So to execute doesn't mean to chop somebody's head off. I, I love uh, a baseball um, example. Casey Stengel, really famous. He's dead now, but he was really famous in American baseball. And he was managing the New York Mets during those early days when the Mets had just come into being. Um, his team was just awful. And that's why in 1969 with Nolan Ryan, the miracle Mets, it was a miracle in so many ways in the mindsets of the people because the first years of the Mets, they were terrible. And so 
after one particularly terrible game, just defensive miscues, missing signs, throwing to the wrong base, errors, just terrible, just terrible baseball. Baseball, I love baseball. I love baseball being played properly. It's a game. And I see a lot of players now who have gifts, but they don't understand the game. And sometimes you watch them and you think, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And it's infuriating for managers. So anyway, after this terrible game, a reporter asks, Mr. Stengel, what do you think about the execution of your team? And he said, I'm in favor of it. <laughs> the reporter was asking, they were horrible out there. They weren't doing anything right. And then he said what he said. He was famous for those quips. He and Yogi Berra were really contemporaries in many ways. But execution here means to act as a ruler, to display a measure of eminence, not in a haughty way, but to, to believe, yeah, I'm here for a purpose. And, and really to represent God, not on my own behalf, but to represent what he's here to do, what these gates are here for. And um, um, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for this word because it speaks about how we represent God. The problem with most of the church is they, they like to focus on power, but power for power's sake. And if you want to have a, a million-selling book or if you want to go around the country and draw lots of people, you just talk about how to get the power of God in the hands of people for whatever they want, whatever they need. If you can come up with a scheme, and there have been many of them over the years, it's just all recreating. You just recreate the scheme. You want to come up with a scheme that will titillate Christians, you tell them that somehow they have misunderstood how to get God to do what you want him to do, whatever that may be, whether it's prosperity or healing or getting your kids in line or whatever. And you, you come up with the scheme to where you can have power to do what you want to do. And then, of course, you have the caveat of saying, this is what God's word really promises. This is what the word of God is really for. So that disarms you. So you don't think you're coming against what God wants. You think you're really discovering what he really wants. We're not talking about executing here from that standpoint. We're talking about executing what God wants. You know, the people, the 4th, 5th, 7th, and 10th month, they were in Babylonian captivity because Solomon, largely, began to lead the people from a high point of temple reality to where by the end of his rule, he had so many gods and idols being worshipped in Jerusalem and even in the temple itself that they used their power and the gates and their wealth to think that they were the be-all, end-all. 
There wasn't one true God. There are many gods. Have you heard that recently? There wasn't one truth. Everybody had a truth. And when you, when you don't stand for something, you fall for anything. And, and really, those in God's perfect examples in the Old Testament, when the gates were functioning properly, you've invested, you've, you've committed yourself, you've seen the prosperity of God, and then you take that and you say, we're, re- we're going to represent the kingdom here. That is gate reality. It's also what the enemy has tried to do to destroy our country and many other countries. This process is imperative. And the way he tries to destroy, speak every man the truth to his neighbor, execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates, is by having people imagine evil in their hearts against their neighbor and loving false oaths. uh, oaths, And um, God hates that. Why is that? Because most of the false oaths are directly against what God's truth is. So you destroy the truths of God, you, in, you bring about lies and deceptions, you train people to believe those lies and perceptions, and then they, they, um, they begin to attack one another. You see, for a good revolution to happen, you always have to have people who you hate. And it, it could be the proletariat, it could be the Bolshevik uh, rulers who aren't doing what the, you feel they should do, it could be the, the bourgeois. It could be the king who's living lavishly. Today, it's color of your skin, which I never thought would be the case, but it fits into the same parameter. Um, the enemy uses strife. For the enemy, you know what God's planning to do? He's going to create a creature that is really going to be him. And um, what's that going to do to us? You know, you're a principality. You, you have skills in, in uh, grace and supplication. You have an anointing. You know, if, if we come together, we can be like the Most High, and we don't, have to, we don't have to let him do to us what he's planning to do. Now, that, those were lies, but they were very believable. That's where iniquity first rose. And that's what the scripture says. Iniquity was found in the enemy. His purpose was twisted, and he went about twisting purposes for those who would listen. Now, not everybody had to listen. Gabriel didn't listen. Michael didn't listen. Many other mighty angels didn't listen. But this was the heart of enemy rebellion. And then he uses it, you know, Cain and Abel. Cain says, you know, my brother, look at him. He's, uh, he's doing what God said to do. But I don't like it. I've got my own truth over here. So I'm going to do what I want to do. And then God shows favor to the one who followed him. And uh, he comes to, to Cain and says, if you'd just done right, you would have been accepted. Cain rises up, kills his brother. See, it's the same thing over and over again. We see it playing out today. So for us in the gates, we have to execute... Uh, our position before God as intercessors, as sons. And what, how do we function there? Well, we, we have judgment, truth, and peace. Judgment 
is mishpat. It's that purpose of God. It's the judgment and burning. It's what God wants to do. We execute judgment. What does God want before his throne? What is he really wanting? He wants his kingdom to come. He wants his will to be done. He wants men and women to know him as the Heavenly Father, to walk with Jesus and to be in intercession, to be on their face before him, to have a perfect heart, to know the word, to welcome the kingdom wherever he has established them, to establish the cross, the power of the cross. This is just a thumbnail of what God wants, and that's what brings blessing. That's why, well, I won't go there. We don't have time. But judgment is God's purpose, his mishpat. And when it's done properly, the burning, the function comes. This is the culmination of his ways. So you are representing in that gate judgment. What is the purpose of God? According to his word, according to the function that we see regularly at his throne. Truth, emet. What is the fulfillment of what God is saying at the right hand of his throne? We commit to that fulfillment. We don't just give the truth. We don't just give uh, the Amman a try. We stand in the gap and we hold on and we intercede the burden of the Lord. We welcome that for what God wants so that it will be done. And that goes along with peace, the shalom, the completion, the triumph, the fulfillment, the resolution. So basically, God says that when you are someone appointed in the gates, that, of course, is, is dependent upon you embracing what God wants to do. You break the soil, you plow, you plant, you watch over. And you, in order to do that effectively, you've got to commit yourself. And thence, there's the structure of the Lord, the captaincy. And then God begins to bring blessing to you. You begin to be blessed, and then you can establish gate mentality. You can establish his authority. Now, whether you believe it or not, you as saints have been being primed to be people of authority for the kingdom with all humility in the cloak of humility. Your sha'al is something that God sees. It's based upon your time spent with him, not just somebody laying hands on you and you, you knowing scripture. It's, it's an intimate relationship with God, and God sees that. That's what makes it all work. It all comes down to humility. You're executing in the gates through humility. You're executing in the gates through relationship with God. And you, you never should forget that because success corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Success has destroyed many, many movements of the kingdom. People get used to the, the blessing. They're, they know how to be full 
But the Apostle Paul said, I know how to be full and I know how to be abased. They know how to be full, but they don't want to be hungry. You've got to have it all or it doesn't work. So to execute the judgment of truth and peace in the gates is really God saying, this is what I want from you when you go back to Jerusalem. This is what I want from you. This is what destroyed you. This is what I want from you. And it's what God wants from us. So let's talk about what gates means practically. We represent our Heavenly Father in his kingdom as intercessors, as saints. And there are many different types of gates in the spirit realm. There are gates where we serve the Father in, in our intercession that are in the heavens. It's just the truth. There are gates for the earth. There are gates for the flow patterns of how God's kingdom power and his majesty are manifested. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be you lifted up, you everlasting doors. The king of glory will come in. You know, we welcome God through these various dimensions of the gates. And I could talk about some experiences there, but it's not germane to really where we are right now in this program. Now, we have gates in our sanctuary here. And the reason I know they're gates is because you could see when God awakened this house and intercession was being offered, you could see them in function. Not every place we go is the same because not everybody has the same calling. We all have the same overarching calling. We should all be eating the same spiritual meat and drinking the same spiritual pneumaticos drink as saints. We need to be careful what we eat. We need to be careful what we, what we ingest spiritually. But not every place is the same. You know, when we first started to map out what goes on in this house here in Dallas, you know, there was some thought that maybe this was a template for other places. Well, yes and no. Yes, there's a very similar pattern here. And, and the patterns of how God moves from his throne should be the same everywhere. I mean, when you're praying, you, you're before the throne of God. You are believing that what God ordains in heaven is going to be where you are. You should have a heart as an intercessor, as an intercessor to see God's kingdom come and his will be done in the nations. And you should be willing to proclaim that and to pattern that and to embody that and to fuel that and to participate in that. That's the same for all of us. But not every location, not every histeme is the same. How you access your histeme through the power of the cross and through prophetic declaration and through function as an intercessor, yeah, that's the same. But not every calling is the same. 
Just as not every pastor is the same, just as not every nation is the same. Certain principles all function together properly. But I can't go into your place and say, you know what, we've got 12 gates here in your house. Theoretically, yeah. But how you function before the Lord, yes. But I've traveled enough to know that there are strengths and there are riches and resources in whatever your place is that is different. It's different than what's here. And I rejoice in that. I don't compete with you. you know, nobody should say, well, we're just going to be just like Dallas. We don't want you to be just like us. We want you to be what you're supposed to be. But yes, you need to be executing the judgment of the Lord. That doesn't change. The word of God doesn't change. The principles of God don't change. You can't be searching your own truth. You should be what, you, what you're created to be. But the principles of God, they don't change. How we're supposed to interact with God as an intercessor, as shown in his word, that doesn't change. You know, like when we would go and we would teach the elemental things of praying in the spirit, praying in diversities of tongues, studying the word, laying on your face in proskuneo or shacha, which is everywhere in the scripture. Sometimes people would say in other countries, well, our culture really doesn't really appreciate that. Other cultures, oh yes, we were raised to lay on our face before the king. In Africa, we've seen Pastor Faladin from Nigeria come and demonstrate, this is what we do. We understand this concept. But I was told in one nation, very large nation, oh, we just, our culture doesn't do that. Well, I appreciate culture, but your culture does not invalidate what God looks for and what he says you should do to be on your face before him. Those principles don't change. You know, sometimes I hear people say, and this was said so often in, in the progressive attempt to attack the saints. Oh, you know, we, we don't really need to pray in diversities of tongues anymore because the world doesn't understand. We want to reach out and be world friendly. Well, you've just cut off your communication. You've just cut off the gift God gave to the church when it was born. How you like that? Some of those people you were trying to, to win over are still serving Satan. That's just the way it is, if they still believe in Satan. And their lives, without being judgmental or critical, are showing that the blessing of the Lord is really not on them. They're just falling apart, and I don't rejoice over that. But it's just a matter of 2 plus 2 equaling 4. 30, 60, 100. You are a person functioning in the gate. So how does God want you to function in prayer during this week? For your gates. First of all, remember what we've said about this. Are you interceding? Are you trying to be what God wants you to be? If you're a pastor, if you're, is your church functioning in measures of authority? You're seeing the blessing of the Lord. 
you should be willing to say, Father, it's time for me to come before you and to welcome certain things in the kingdom. To welcome. Well, what, what does God want? What is his judgment? You need to ask him. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what God's saying to you. The principles I can tell you. But you take a stand for righteousness. You know, when you, when you pray, function in the gates of heaven. Function on behalf of what God is wanting to do from the throne. You can do that. I mean, when, when I'm praying in my house and God catches me up to the throne, right? I thank God for that privilege, but I know how to function there. You should too. I don't want to hear this anymore. Well, you know, and I, I understand. I know what it feels to be alone. And I've said this before. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. One crying in the wilderness. The enemy comes and says, oh, you're all alone here. Nobody cared. Blah, 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 blah. You know, what did David do when he wanted the water of Bethlehem? He was longing for um, that cool drink that he'd grown up with while he was still with the mighty man, functioning. And those guys broke through and brought him water. What did David do? He dumped it on the ground. What does that mean for you? I cherish being able to go and visit our brothers and sisters, and we love to have you come here. We love that. But I don't want anybody moping around being the fourth, fifth, seventh, then saying, oh, I can't function. I'm not around my brothers and sisters. If you've learned anything over the COVID time, you've learned that that doesn't get you anything but trouble. David dumped the water out. Listen, I can tell you, this place has its own challenges. Every place has its own challenges. You represent God in the gates. Make sure you're praying. Make sure you're studying. Stay current with what God's sharing through the saints. You know, some, the enemy always tries to split people. He, he tries to separate. So on the one hand, we're saying you function where you are. But on the other hand, we're saying let's all eat the same spiritual meat. Same spiritual drink. Let's function in the way God teaches us to function. Let's honor his principles. And let's execute that in the gates. When you're caught up in, you know, you know how we discovered so many of the things that God allowed us to discover here? It was after we spent time at the throne and there God would speak things, and there he would give us perspectives, and we would come down and we would see how things function, and we would recognize from the word then what meaneth this. That's the same way you're going to gain clarity from where you are. And so begin to execute, pray, that God's purpose and his will will be done and take a stand in your house. Take a stand in your church. 
And what I'm saying is, if, if you're in a church where the pastor is in harmony, don't engender rebellion or don't go and tell him, you know, you're really missing it. Many of them are. But God, God's judgment is clear. His mishpat is clear. What's God saying to you at the right hand? Be faithful to that. Even if you've not seen it manifest yet. Read Habakkuk the seer. See what God says. Write it. Make it plain. Wait on it. It will come. And know that whatever God's promised will be. Now, if you are in your house and you're praying, and there are certain places in my house where I know there's been an establishment of kingdom reality. God's blessing is upon my house, but so many times I'll go to those places. I've dug the wells there at the directive of God. God's met with me there, and that footprint of his presence is an open tributary, just like when people are digging for a well on their property. You did that work. It's there. It's a reservoir. But you don't have to dig a river. If you got a river nearby, use it. But every one of us in our homes, and even some of you in your churches, you've there have been established places of commune with God that are things that God has opened because of your faithfulness. But the Hestemi deposit, the deposit of the glory, the, the, uh, the various capacities that you have as strengths, I can't create that. Only God did that when he created the earth. And you'll have to just see how God moves through you. But the principles stay the same. The word doesn't change. Our devotion to the throne of God, the one throne of God, is the same. How God moves in his divine principles are the same. But yet, every joint supplies. Every one of us is different. We have different capacities. And again, that's another way that the enemy attacks. Well, you can be just as good as them. You can just do what they do. And why does God give them all the words? Well, we just need to shut ourselves off from that so that maybe we'll hear for ourselves. <sighs> the enemy's game, he still plays it. But we don't have to. We've been given the best. So we have looked throughout this month this seventh month, and how God has spoken about joy and gladness, and the cheerful, the tobe feasts, and loving emet and shalom. And we've seen about the end result that if you do all these things and these are established, then, then the inhabitants of many cities and lands will come and they'll say, let us go to pray. Let's learn how to palau before Yahweh and to seek our place in the army of God. And they'll say, you come too, you come with me. And they'll take hold of uh, the languages of all the nations, the skirt of somebody who is mature in this thing. 
God, Elohim, is with you. Do you remember all that? Do you know that that is the eternal truth? That's who you are or called to be in God. So let's, let's be it, shall we? So wherever you are, when, when my congregation comes into this house to pray on Wednesday, tomorrow, or if you're listening to it on Wednesday on Wednesday, come in and thank God for what he's called you to be. Thank God for what he's called this place to be. Thank God for what he's called our saints family to be throughout the world. Thank God for the capacities he's given. Thank God for the way he moves in this house here in Dallas. Thank God that, that um, we have the pleasures of heaven here. His kingdom is here. Pray in the spirit. Be on your face before God. Recommit yourself to being a gatekeeper into this progression that God's established. And function. Listen to what he says and do it and be it. Commit yourself for what's ahead. Recommit your involvement in the place where God has called you. Gross darkness the people, darkness, the earth, God's light is ready to shine. The greatest days that we've ever known are ahead. The question is, which are you believing for? Are you like those people that used to just sit in the back pew of the church waiting for the trumpet blast so on their way up, they can curse all the people that didn't come to, to, to church? Or are you functioning right now as if you're already in eternity? We all should be. I speak blessing over you. Let's execute the truth and peace in our gates. And let's do it amongst those that God has called to be our neighbors in this walk as saints. So thanks for tuning in. God bless you. And we will uh, we'll look forward to what God's going to do through this prayer time. And until uh, till next time, when we're able to be together, God bless and goodbye.